0: Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come join us as we walk through God's Word together. It's interesting with this one, sometimes this whole phrase is lost on the fact that we don't fully understand what it means for someone to reign. We just witnessed last year the ending of a reign over in the United Kingdom, over in Great Britain. And for them, they understand it a bit more because of the succession of kings and queens in that country. Yes, I know they are a constitutional monarchy or a parliamentary monarchy there. Understand that, but they still understand reverence for a single sovereign. And thus you saw all of, the, um, uh, all of the ceremonies around the death of the queen. You saw it. Whole world watched it. You saw the corporate mourning and the, and the raising of a king to reign however folk feel about him, there is still that level of reverence that's there, however high or low. They get some of that. And so now they say, you know, it's no longer Queen Elizabeth who reigns, but King Charles who reigns. And see, for us, every four years, we elect a new person in office or the same person one more time, and it was by our choice, we have at least some hand in it, we lose the thought about reigning. But make no mistake, just because our system doesn't clarify reigning for us, or just because when people rise and fall in power, we either clap when they fall and we are excited when someone else reigns, it doesn't diminish the whole concept of reigning of ruling, of being over a kingdom. And so for us today, I want you to take off your, just for a moment, American democracy hat. You didn't have a hand in this statement that's being made. You don't have a choice in it, it is not up to you. You don't get a vote. As a matter of fact, it is not even an explaining, explanative term, it is a declaration and it wants us to have a response. The Lord reigns, period. Whether the world believes he does, whether people like that he does, whether people want him to or not, doesn't matter. The the psalmist here makes a statement and wants a response. The Lord reigns. And I'm going to ask you what's yours. I'm going to look at three responses from Psalm 97, and hopefully you see yourself in one of them. So when we look at the Lord reigns, what's your response? the earth or everyone should rejoice creation does rejoice and then the third one his people will rejoice so we're going to look at today when we talk about the lord reigns what's your response everyone the earth should rejoice and we're going to see why Creation does what God has created, the created things, it rejoices. And his people will rejoice and will be glad. If I had to subtitle anything else for this, it would be rejoice in Jesus who is your king, which we'll see, but the Lord. And once again, like last week, that Lord is all caps, L-O-R-D, which we said for us is signifying whom? God as he, him, as he expressed himself as whom? Yahweh. The God who keeps, makes, and keeps his covenants. Covenants back then we have to understand too. Covenants that were made weren't this kind of what we think of as treaties. I come with strength, you come with strength. We meet, in the, we, we meet in the middle and we work this thing out. For some of us, that's what we think we're doing with God. I got some things I'm bringing to the table, God's got some things He's bringing to the table. He's a little bigger. We meet in the middle and we work this out. When you come before the Lord, you have zero. As a matter of fact, you can't come before the Lord. And so what he says is covenants back then really were a stronger, dominant party was coming to one who was going to be overtaken, who had no strength, and they came together to make terms. Here is how you who are lower and me who is higher, here's how you will live under my existence. That's that's the covenant that God's talking about. And so he comes and he gives us terms. Here are the terms of you existing in and under me. And so when he said he makes and keeps his covenants, God came to us, powerless, you brought nothing to the table, and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, I will relate to you, I'm going to give you the terms. And God keeps those terms. We know in our society, the reason the legal field is so lucrative is because people don't always keep their terms. And you get an attorney. Or you have someone that wants to make sure terms are kept or that they're clarified. But with God, when he makes it, he keeps it. And so when we think about L-O-R-D, all uppercase, please just remember the one who came and made a I mean and and, and actually gave terms and made terms with us and will always keep them terms so you and I can always be in relationship with him and he doesn't break it. So verse one, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the, mo- let the many coastlands be glad. We know right now that there are some humans that are reigning throughout the world that people cringe because they are reigning. Know of one right now that the world is trying to prevent fighting against. And the people that are saying, I wish his reign would end. But he's saying here, when the Lord reigns, he said, all of the earth, everyone on everything, you should rejoice and all the coastlands should be glad. It's like, whoa, wait, why? Why when he reigns, should everyone, everyone, whether you believe in him or not, why should everyone be glad? Well, he seems to give a very odd a very odd description after that, because this would not necessarily make me glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Second part would, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. But the beginning part of 1st 2 gives us gives us it's also used in psalm 18 you can go back and read that later but it also points it gives us a picture of when god came down on mount sinai after he delivered his people from egypt go to exodus 19 and when you get there go to verse 16 After telling Moses to tell the people to be ready because I'm coming down. On the third day, they will, they will draw a little closer to me. Verse 16, on the morning of the, dirt of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Hold your finger there now let's go back over here to psalm ninety seven. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. seems like when God comes down, number one he has to he has to cover his glory. that thick cloud, in other words, they could not see through it, but they knew the presence of it. What was God doing he's you you can't stand and look at me face to face. We heard in scripture where it says that you can't you know, see God and live. I see the face of the Lord. That's because you in heaven. <laughs> see, the issue becomes when he says to us that whole thick clouds and that, and that darkness, it seems weird that we would have darkness be related to the Lord coming down. But that thick cloud, I mean, but, but that cloud and thick darkness is a covering so that you experience him, but you don't get all of him. And he tells us, he tells the people, he told Moses, tell the people to get ready because I'm coming down. And how he came down scared the life out of him. You keep reading down in Exodus 19, he goes on with how the mountain shook. There was a trumpet blast that got louder and louder, and there were none of their people that were playing the trumpet. It says, The mountain Sinai actually shook like it was an earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, one of the most unnerving things you can ever experience. Don't want to experience it again, ever. Um, And what lasted maybe, what, 30 seconds? It seemed like 10 minutes, 30 seconds, maybe a little bit longer. And I wasn't in the mountains. The mountains weren't shaking. It was just the house I was in as we were out in California. I can't imagine standing on that which we have as a symbol of ultimate strength on this planet. Mountains. Mountains in scripture are symbols of strength and that which we call ultimate strength trembled and shook before God coming down. When he says, let the earth rejoice, he's giving you a reason why. Look at, what, look at who I am from a distance. You're not, even giving, you're not even getting me full throttle and this is what's happening. And so he has given us a picture of his very presence. Why should the earth rejoice? Number one, because he is awesome. Because his glory is beyond our comprehension. Someone didn't put us into power. Someone didn't raise us up. I didn't have to wait. God didn't have to wait for someone to die for him to come to power. And so when he says, Clouds and thick darkness and thunders and lightnings. Verse eighteen. I'm sorry, verse um Verse eighteen, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. This is Exodus. Chapter 19 verse 18, the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Picture the scene please. Don't sanitize it. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people. What would the warning be? Lest they break through to the Lord, break through what? Break through the cloud, break through what they saw to look. You got the people that are curious, got them today. All that stuff happening, mountains trembling, thick clouds, stuff shaking, trumpet blasts when there's no human playing, and you get people that still, I just want to see what's happening. <laughs> I'm heading in the other direction. But you but you have those folk. And what does the Lord warn them? He says, warn them. That they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. And then he says, and the priests, those who I normally have to come for me, also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves. You just can't come anyhow. Lest the Lord break out against them. You get this picture that we don't hear often. We get this picture of God as tame and he's going to do what I want. I'm going to tell God what to do. And, and, and he's obligated to listen to me. You miss this picture of God. And it didn't change in the New Testament. People are saying God's not like that anymore. Oh, he's still like that. The only reason we get to come close is because of Christ. The only reason we come close is, is because Christ is the one who, as they said, tore down the veil. There is no longer a veil. Why? Because he became the one who paid the price ultimately and continually so you and I can come before the presence of the Lord. But it didn't change who God is. This picture is still him. It doesn't mean that we can't come before him. It means that when we come before him, we realize who we're dealing with. And so he says, let the earth rejoice. Why? Because his glory has been seen from a distance, and can be seen, but then it's the part I like. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. You will love the fact that he is in power. Here's the deal. Righteousness talks about how he does it. Pure, without spot, without wrong motives when God works. It is righteous. It is always out of that cleanness and then justice talks about how he always does the I mean of what he always does the right thing how purely what it's always right see when people call for justice what they are really saying is we want things to be done right sometimes our justice is tainted we kind of add we want things to be right for me and that may not be what's right at that moment. I want it to make me feel better. Or well, sometimes justice won't leave you feeling better. Sometimes justice may, may actually require of you something that it didn't require of that person. You say, it's not fair. Of course it's not, but it's just. And so when he says he works in righteousness and justice, he said you should rejoice because when God, or as God, not when, as God rules, it is always pure and it is always the right thing to do. And so he says you should, and the rejoicing is you should be excited, you should be glad, you should be in this continual state of praise. Everyone should rejoice. Why also should they rejoice? No one can stand before him. Every human reign has someone that has stood before them. And at some point in time, their reign ended either by the hands of another army or by the hands of death because it conquered that ruler, Alexander the Great and all the conquering was conquered by death. And you're going to go on down with any other, any other reign that has happened over history. If another reign hasn't conquered them, death has. And so when you look at his reign, I love this. He says, fire goes before him and burns up all his adversaries. So there isn't anyone that could stand against him. Here's what I want us to understand it looks like God is losing at times. It does. When you're on your job and people are acting the way they are against the Lord, hopefully you're not acting against the Lord, but whenever people are going against the Lord and they are people of influence and means and authority, guess what? It looks like God is losing. And what he reminds us is here, no, 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 I'm not. Everything in this time And we know that all his enemies will be burned up. As a matter of fact, if you turn all the way to the end in the book of Revelation, we see it all burns up. Fire goes out before him and consumes all of his enemies. And so what God is saying is when you are living under his reign, you are living under a pure and a just reign and one that no one can overcome. Ever. Let the earth rejoice. I love this. And even, verse 5, even the most strength, the thing that represents strength on this earth, look at what he says. Why should the earth rejoice? The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. When was the last time you melted wax? Was it difficult? You put that flame to that wax and that flame is hot. It takes seconds for that wax to melt into liquid. God says, your picture of ultimate strength on this planet melts like wax before me. And so once again, why should I rejoice that the Lord reigns? (laughs) Because everything on this earth just falls at his feet and so for us do you see who you're worshiping or who he wants you to respond to he's not talking about someone that someone else put into office this is not someone's thought process this is not how someone feels this is the God who made the earth all of creation you and I and he actually invites us into covenant with him let the earth rejoice. So not only does, should the earth rejoice, creation does rejoice. One line, verse 6, the heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. Whether they recognize it or not, Romans tell us that the wickedness of people, that they see the glory of God, but they won't glorify him as God. Oh, they see everything around you see the four seasons you see the different kinds and unique animals and plants you see the fact I'm still amazed that people don't understand the greatness of God I'm sorry that we are on this ball we are on this ball in the middle of space and no one feels like they're hanging upside down we say, well, that's because of gravity. Yes, it is. Where did it come from? Well, it just banged. It just appeared one day. This whole thing that keeps everything on the planet. And, and, and we all know already, it is very common knowledge. If we were any closer to the sun than earth is, br- poof. Any further through the sun, the ice man cometh. You freeze. See, so the issue just becomes, when I look at just that alone, creation tells the story. And I love God. God just, God allowed us. He said, I'm going to give them enough that they that the brain that I put in their head and, and. And all of the intellect that I allow them to have will never be exhausted because they're going to keep looking at the heavens that just keep and keep going and keep. And, and now we're finding we developed this telescope and we saw planets that, wow, we didn't know existed. yet yeah, he did. See, the issue just becomes, you see, creation. The heavens actually, it says, it proclaims him. We think the heavens are, look what we found. look what we did well you didn't do it you know you didn't do it you found it yes which means it was there put by someone else look look what we discovered and we're excited about our discovery not the one who placed it there and so creation actually rejoices and proclaims him And there's a part in this that he says that there's a part of those things which have been made that we have put as gods. And God says, I put all of that to shame. In relation to what's created, when we take created things and make them gods, God calls them to worship him. Do you see that picture? So when God has created us, and he has given us all of this around, and we, in the intelligence that we have, we make things, and we build them up like they did um, in, after they left Egypt. They took everyone's gold, and they fashioned it into a calf, and after they made this gold calf, they turned around and said, now worship it, guys, and I want to go, this, does, does anyone not have a problem with this wouldn't exist if you didn't make it. But now you want to worship it as that which is above you and can give you something. And before we laugh at that, boy, how we do that. In the careers that we create. In the material things that have been made by man's intelligence that we place before God in the money that we know is not necessarily the money, but is what the money we believe does that we chase. We make it, why do we make it God's? Because we think those things can bring to us what God either can't, or for many of us, we know he can, but he won't. Because for some of us, this isn't about God can't do it. We know it's not about ability. We believe God is able, but we know he's not willing because it's against his character. It is outside of his will. It is outside of scripture, but I want it. And so I'm going for it because I believe it could do more for me than you're letting me onto God. It is that whole serpent with Eve syndrome. You know what that is? Go back and look at that later. When he came to them and said, see, God knows. First, he lies that you will not die. Lie, you will. But then he said, but God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like him being able to distinguish between good and evil. Look what he did. He sat there and turned this into a God is holding out on you deal See, he knows you're going to get better. You're going to be equal to him. And to us on this earth, we love that. Wait, hold on. God's holding out on me? And many of us, we go, God, why are you holding out on me? I could be having this, and you know it'll make my life better. God says, don't touch it. You know I'm going to be just like you, Lord. Being able to tell good and evil. Oh, you'll be able to tell good and evil, but you won't be just like me. And what Satan does to us when we create idols is to make us think that those things that that we've created or even that God has created will do something for us more than he will. But God tells us here in Psalm 97, he says to us, all you gods... All the things that humanity has created or that they worship, he tells them, worship me. He calls them to the truth. And so what he tells to you and I, here's what he says, career, worship me. House, material possessions, the people you put on pedestals and that you hold higher than God, worship me. He calls all gods to the one God and turns their attention and thus turns our attention. So the earth, and then lastly, I love this, his people will rejoice. His people will Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. I love this. So he says, Zion, the people of God, the place where God meets them, they rejoice. Why? Because they know who he is. And even with his judgment, Psalm 96, 97, And 98, focus our attention on God as king, on God as savior, and on God as future judge. And so his people know we have a righteous and just king who saves us from ourselves and this world through Christ and one day will judge rightly everything that is wrong in this world and we just want to make sure we are not on the wrong side of wrong because he will judge and that makes them rejoice see today you see injustice happening and we get upset and we do what we can to push it back according to the ways of the Lord not according to man and we push back, but we have to know, ultimately, God says, I will judge it all one day. I know we say, God, but I don't want one day. I want now. God says, you don't understand now. I will make it all right, all right one day. I will judge, and I don't know when that one day is, and I'm not just saying when you die, although at the end, he will, but along the way, he will as well. He will he'll make it right. And so it says, his people, they rejoice because of your judgments. He says, verse Verse nine, for you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth, and you are exalted far above all gods. That verse, verse nine, should cause you and I to rejoice constantly. When he is the most high, that is an authoritative and strength term that is used about the Lord. There is none that is more preeminent than him there is none that can go above him there is none that is stronger we hear those words all the time and they're just words to many of us do you really believe that in your situation in your life where you are that god is most high do you respond in life as if he is above all or do you respond to your boss Like he or she is God because you believe they have more influence than he does. Thus, I am willing to go against the ways of God to please my boss. What you demonstrated is actually your boss is most high in your eyes. When you are willing to go outside of the will of God to please anyone or anything on this earth, they have become your God. He says, for you are exalted. And then he says, light, which means clarity, being able to see, verse 11, is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. He says, look, he says, you will have that light in your life as it is righteous, as it is lived before God the right way. And he says, and, and there will be joy for the upright in heart. And he ends, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. There's a reminder in verse 10 that I almost missed over. He says, O you who love the Lord, hate evil. And he says, wow, God's calling us to hate something. Yes, he's calling you to despise evil. He is calling you that in your life, evil doesn't have a place. Now, we know that's in increasing measures, not right away. We don't walk perfectly all the time, but but my goal is to dispense and to despise evil. Just get it away from me all the time. When I see it, I'm not inviting it in. I'm not embracing it. I'm not coddling it. I don't want it as a part of my life. Why? Because the righteous king, the one who reigns in righteousness and with justice... I want to live under his reign. So what's your response? Are you the earth and you should rejoice, but you're not? Creation does. That's our example. And when you see it, do you see creation as actually glorifying, making known God, proclaiming him? Or are you one of his people that will rejoice? Why? Because you realize his reign is right and just. And I'll find joy and I'll have light there, clarity. This is interesting. The God who when he shows up comes in a cloud and thick darkness is filled with light. I love the contrast. We can't experience him fully face-to-face as humans. But when we experience him We get light, and we get joy. And so with that in mind, he tells us, rejoice, get excited. Be filled with praise, regardless of what's happening in your life, regardless of what's happening in your life. He says, this is is what the New Testament says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Why should we rejoice in the Lord always? Psalm 97 reminds us why. And tells us that, look, don't, don't, don't be overwhelmed by what you're living in or around. Influence it. Because your Lord reigns you've been listening to the solid word bible church podcast and we trust that you've been blessed if you'd like to learn more about us you can visit our website at solidword.org thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next week